Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have back a guest that we've had on the show before, Craig West from Succession Plus. Now, if you're interested in hearing my first discussion with Craig, just head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com and there you will find a previous episode that we recorded with Craig where we talked all about the concepts of business succession and exit planning and all of the issues that are involved when businesses are not properly prepared going into a sale. And today we are talking with Craig all about employee share plans, the history of them, how they're used these days, why they're not used in Australia as often as they're used overseas, the benefits they can bring, and really importantly to this area of business sales and acquisitions, how they can be used to bridge the reluctance from baby boomers to sell their business when they have this issue of passing over something that has been part of their identity to new buyers. It also can save some of these problems for business owners of who to sell to and how to get the best deal at exit. So this employee share plan discussion is really, I think, quite interesting and relevant to the whole topic of business sales and acquisitions. So buckle in and enjoy the ride. Let's talk to Craig. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, Craig. Welcome back on to the Deal Room Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on board again, sharing all of this knowledge you've got about this area. Today, talking about employee share plans. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. Okay. All right. So before we start talking about the employee share plans, maybe just give a quick recap. Our listeners may have listened to an earlier podcast that we had together where we talked all about the concept of business succession and exit planning. But in that podcast, you also touched on the concept of employee share plans. So maybe if you can just give us a quick overview of your background in employee share plans and what brought you to your interest in them. Yeah, look, my background here is really similar to the rest of the work that I've done. It's all around exit and succession planning. But what I saw in a multiple number of these examples is key people within a business are absolutely critical to making a sale or exit work correctly. So even at the simpler level where you're passing it on to your kids or your family, up to the large businesses where you've got a couple of hundred employees, the buyer, whether that's a family member or a large corporate, is always worried about key people. How are the key people locked in? How do I know they're going to stay after I buy it? How do I know they're going to continue to perform? All those questions are critical. And employee share plans actually have a very unique strategy that you can use to actually help a sale progress because that quick key question can be answered by the fact that you've got an employee share plan in place and that it's working and that it's generating, you know, loyalty and retaining key people and all the key things that they do. And so in lots of the strategies that we put together, whether the business is preparing to be sold or whether it's being passed on or whatever the strategy might be, an employee share plan can be a really useful tool 
to solving that big risk factor because the big risk factor is going to cost you money if you don't get it right. Absolutely. And so I guess just as a comment on this, we had a matter just a few weeks ago actually where there was a massive employment issue just for actually as the deal was about to exchange, which caused a massive change to the deal. And the key staff member walked off and because the key staff member walked off at this point because they thought they had a lot of power in the situation, which as it turns out they didn't in the end. But the problem with this was it sent the buyer into a bit of a frenzy because they were obviously concerned about how the business would continue to run without this key staff member that had walked. And I think part of the issue that had led to it was um, perhaps a breakdown in communication over time and issues with the communication that had been had between the owners and the key team member. But also, so a failure of communication, I think, because they hadn't thought about the issue or talked through the issue. So it was both strategy and communication that were at issue in this particular matter. But but the end result was a really big potential issue. Firstly, the sale almost fell over, but it was saved at the end of the day. But it resulted in a drop in the price and a large retention that then was effectively became an earnout that hadn't been on the table prior to this point. So it's interesting that we're talking about this because I see staffing issues all the time, but this is something that we've just seen very recently. So it just made me think of the real reality of the importance of business owners as they're gearing up for exit, thinking about how it is that they manage the risk for the buyer and for themselves as well of issues with key staff members. So what's your thinking in this area? How are you counselling businesses they should be approaching this issue? Look, I think the, the whole topic of employee share plans is really, we're very much behind the eight ball here because in the United States and the UK, they're far more popular. They've been used in the United States most commonly. You know, they're, they're all over the place over there. There's thousands of them. Mm. Um, they're not as common here. And I know the government... In fact, just this month, have released a new consultation paper to try and improve some of the legal restrictions and issues around implementing employee share plans because the government recognises that they work. And, you know, that's the bottom line. The employee share plans, there's a whole stack of academic research around employee share plans. They work and they work in terms of things like improving sales, improving productivity, improving employee retention, you know, growth. All those things actually work really well. Where I've found a unique use for them is in in succession and exit planning in two specific areas. One, I've got clients who are actually selling the business to their employees using an employee share plan. So it's actually an exit strategy on its own. Wow, time. okay. And that, that works really well because you're gradually selling the business over time. Mm. You're selling it to a buyer who's already got a vested interest in helping you manage it and run it because they've already got some equity. They're just going to gradually increase their equity and you're going to gradually decrease yours over time. And so there's a very smooth transition and a lot of the issues that you have when you sell externally don't arise because you're selling internally, if you like. Mm. The other strategy is just to lock in and retain and motivate key people because that's always going to be a big issue. If you think about you know any business, there's very few businesses around that haven't got key people. And where you've got key people, they're going to be a big concern for the buyer. The buyer's going to want to know who are your key people, how long have they been here, how likely are they to stay how are they rewarded? How is all that structured? And an employee share plan can answer all of those questions quite successfully. So what we generally do is set up an employee share plan. We invite our key people to join it. We design a funding mechanism. Now that can be as simple as employees sometimes buy into these plans. But often when you think about generally in most firms, you're going to have a group of key employees who may not necessarily have the money to buy in. They might not be able to write out a check for 
10% of your business. But there's a way to do that using a profit share type plan. Um, there are banks, we use Macquarie Bank normally. There are banks that will lend to allow an employee share plan to buy into the business. And you can use it as a self-funding sort of profit share style model where the employee doesn't have to write a check. But the whole thing works gradually over time for the employees to just gradually buy away at the equity. Now, sometimes the plans are locked in at maybe 20 30%. So a group of five or six key employees might end up owning 30% of the company and the other 70%, you go and sell it to an external buyer or even passing it on to a family member. Now, we're seeing family businesses where maybe the next generation doesn't want to run the business. They're not skilled or haven't got the experience or qualifications to run it, but they want to be involved in it. And so putting an employee share plan in place can actually be quite helpful because you know that those people have now got the same incentive as the family that owns it to make sure the business is successful and profitable. A number of different ways we can use them. The other thing that's really interesting and important is there's a big trend now with business owners looking to get cash out before they retire. Whether that's to pay off debt, whether it's to put more money in the super or to buy a property they're going to go and live in once they retire, it doesn't really matter. There's a lot of people looking at ways to get cash out of the business before they retire. An employee share plan is actually quite a smart way to do that. It can be quite tax effective if it's structured properly. And there are specific tax concessions for employee share plans that the government set up on purpose to encourage them. If you use them properly, the way that they're intended, it can actually be a benefit for your employees to give them some tax benefit about buying into the company. But it can also be a benefit to the owner who's looking at a strategy to get some cash out before retirement. And so in this cash out prior to retirement option, obviously, then you must be looking at, well, either the employees are going to be coughing up cash in that example, or it's funded. Is that financed? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And there's there's sort of three or four different models that you can use in terms of funding the employee share plan from the very simple, you know, profit share type plan where I've got a few clients who've got a simple model that says, well, last year we made $500,000 profit. If we make more than that going forward, we'll share a percentage of the amount over 500 with our employees for the employee share plan. And that works quite well because now the employees have got a vested interest in growing the profit, but they also get a benefit from growing the profit because that's the money that's used to buy them their shares. Everyone wins. It's got to be designed as a win-win. If you can do that, that works quite successfully. And sometimes the issue with that is that that's a slow burn, if you like. That that can take several years, you know, seven to 10 years to actually happen. If you're in a hurry, and that's one of the reasons I say to people start this early, not late, um, but if you're in, if you want to speed things up, you can always get some debt funding. You know, the bank, there's banks around that'll lend to these types of structures as long as they're set up properly, and that'll just accelerate the process. So the employees might use some debt to buy the equity. They would generally sign an agreement that says that you know they won't take out any dividends, for example, until the bank's repaid or refunded. That can often work well as well. And finally, you know, there is the option for employees. There's actually tax concessions for employees to do things like salary sacrifice. Employees can draw down on their home loan or write a check from their own savings to buy shares as well. So there's a number of different combinations. What we find generally is people use a few of those different methods to fund it. It's a matter of just working out what's the most suitable in terms of the business we're dealing with. And so what are some objections that you hear in relation to this? Because, you know, one issue I see is that quite often employees don't necessarily value shares in the business to the same extent that they value cold, hard cash. (laughs) So obviously in this process is the need to find the right 
staff members who will align with this and that this strategy will motivate as opposed to demotivate. Yeah, and I think the thing that's really important around that is the education piece. It's not, and and again, this comes back to timing. If you've got plenty of time and you can do this gradually, you can actually educate employees. So when we implement an employee share plan, we also use a process called ownership mindset, which actually helps employees to think and act like business owners. Now, that doesn't happen automatically. There's got to be a lot of training and education around that. And that process itself is actually quite useful in and of itself with businesses. But it's about getting employees to understand what we're doing here and why we're doing it and how it might work. Very rarely do employees not see the opportunity. The funding is always a question and we've got to make sure that works. The control issue is always a concern from the business owner. If I sell 30% of my business to my employees, does that mean they're going to turn up and tell me what to do? Um, And of course, it doesn't. It doesn't need to mean that at all. You can structure them so that's not the case. But those are the sort of concerns that often come up with business owners and employees. But again, I think most of that, in fact, all of that can be managed as long as it's educated and trained and reinforced throughout the place so that everyone understands what you're doing and, and why. And it needs to have a win-win approach. It's not This is not a scheme where you can, you know, use it to, to rip off your employees to make more money or the owner can use it to fund their retirement. Bad luck for the employees. If you've got that approach, it'll never work. But where you've got a win-win and people are working collaboratively together to make this happen, then I think it can work really well. Mm, absolutely. And so what sort of examples have you seen of this used really well? Yeah, so I do some work with a uh, with an environmental consultancy business up in Newcastle. Um, there's actually a case study that talks about them on our website um, with a video of some of the staff. Now, that's been implemented over the last sort of three years. Did the ownership mindset training first and we sort of implemented some of the, the key learnings around that to make sure employees were on board and understood how it worked. Um, We then implemented an employee share plan. That's worked quite well. The company's had some significant success financially as a result of that. And look, it's not all because of the employee share plan, obviously. Um, You know, this is a company with 130-odd staff. They're very smart. They've been around for many, many years. They've got a fantastic reputation. They do great work. So, I mean, it's not all about the employee share plan. This is not a magic pill that you take. But it certainly has impacted on their performance. The other thing that's impacted that you can clearly see is that employees are just generally more engaged. They now own a part of the business. They're more interested. They're more likely to come up with ideas and you know new ways of doing things and improve processes because they've got a vested interest in making that work. You know, they realistically have the opportunity to make more money because the business has improved. And you know, we've we've paid a couple of dividends since we put the employee share plan in. That goes over really well with employees because it's almost like an unexpected bonus based on a bonus that's real and it's funded because it's based on improvement in performance. So the owner, the founder, is actually very happy that that's all going ahead when she declares. A dividend and the board pays a dividend, the founder gets her share of the dividend and the employees get their share of the dividend. And that is really a win-win. And everybody's happy, at, you know, no one's going to complain about receiving a dividend. And it's based on performance and hard work and improvement. And that's a win-win. It also therefore means as a sideline, the company's more valuable, you know, for two reasons. A, the company's making more money and paying dividends and therefore that makes it more valuable of itself. But it's also more valuable because the risks decreased. The key risk in that business, like a lot of others, is key people. There's some key people there who are very well known in the industry. They're experts in their field. And if they left that business, you know, the business would suffer. 
some sort of downturn in work and might even lose some other employees who are there because of that person, etc. Now they're in the employee share plan. Whilst it's not impossible for them to leave, it's certainly far less likely. And therefore, when you look at the business, the risk overall has reduced. Therefore, the valuation goes up as well. Yeah, I, I completely get it. It certainly makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think it's a very interesting structure to look at. Some of the issues that I see is this concern that utilising employee share plans might might reduce the pool of buyers and employee share plans, I guess we should say, you know, can have different elements in relation to the ability to buy the employees out, for example, if there is, you know, a sale at the end of the day through the drag along clauses. But do you ever deal with employee share plans where that is not a component, i.e. that the employees have the absolute ownership without a drag along right? And is that a concern that you've seen for reducing the pool of buyers coming in? You know, should the buyers coming in not be comfortable with not holding 100%? Yeah, look, generally speaking, we put a a drag along clause as well, just in case the buyer does come along and say, no, look, I don't want to have an employee share plan for whatever reason. I've actually sold four or five of these businesses with employee share plans in there. In all cases, the buyer kept the employee share plan because they it works and they can see the history of it. In some cases, you might have an example where maybe a listed company is the buyer. They probably already have their own employee share plan. So maybe they roll your employees out of your plan into their plan. That can still work. But I have had a couple of examples where, you know, the key employees were even informed, you know, early on, look, I'm 60 years old. You all know that I'm going to retire in five years. The logical thing to do is sell the company. You guys own 20% between you. Let's all work together to sell the company and you'll get paid out your 20%. That can create some really interesting synergies because obviously, normally, It's top secret. We don't tell anyone that we're selling the company. We don't have any employees helping us. And suddenly you've got 10 people working on preparing the company for sale rather than one. It makes a very big difference. An unusual approach, but it's very different. I completely agree with you there. It's it's interesting. I mean, the majority of businesses uh, we deal with will have the fact that they're on the market confidential until the transaction has completed or close there too. But I've seen in a couple of really, really successful transactions, some of the most successful transactions I've seen, they've adopted the approach that you're talking about, not necessarily from an employee share plan perspective, but just from the communication and bringing the team members' staff along with them. Not necessarily all of the staff, but at at least key staff that can make a particular impact on the business towards sale. But in some of these instances, I've seen profit share and success type arrangements built into remuneration for the staff members. So what's your thoughts on the difference between an employee share plan versus, I guess, these profit or success metrics that are built as a contractual right or part of their employment incentive arrangements rather than, you know, a more organised employee share plan arrangement? Yeah, so there's two key things, I think, to put into perspective there. The first one is that most bonus schemes or incentive schemes don't work. And the, the research is quite clear on this. They don't work because people change the rules halfway through. Employees don't understand what they have to do to actually achieve the KPIs that have been set. You know, if you go to most businesses and just say to a general group of employees, okay, we're going to improve the profitability by 5%, that doesn't mean anything. They don't know what that means. They don't know how they do that. They don't know what they actually have to do in their day-to-day role to make that happen. And there's a big disconnect in most bonus schemes between what they do day-to-day 
and the outcome that you're looking for. They're not often matched to employee behavior. The second thing that kills them is they're often discretionary. I actually met a guy just not long ago who said to me, I asked him about his incentive plan. He said, yeah, we've got an incentive plan. I said, explain to me how it works. And he said, well, at the end of the year, I sit down and work out what I can afford <laughs> at Christmas. I work out, okay, there's $100,000. I've got 60 employees. I put all their names on a pad and I write down numbers next to them till it adds up to 100,000. I just went, wow, what a mess. That's just completely discretionary. So the guys that he plays golf with and has a beer with on a Friday got more money than you know the lady that works in the back office doing all the invoicing even though she works really late at the end of the month because that's vital to the business. I mean it just doesn't make any sense. The other key difference between incentive and profit share plans and a structured employee share plan is it's about equity. And ultimately, when you're building up a business or when you're looking to sell or exit or retire, the equity is actually really important. And so the difference between profit and equity is two key things. One we're now worried about expenses and we're now thinking about longer term strategy. Equity by definition is going to be longer term. And so we've now got employees thinking about what does the business look like in five to 10 years? I think one of the key things, and I talk to this all the time, you know, Warren Buffett was asked a couple of years ago what the big difference is between himself and his investing and the average American investor because he outperforms most of them by a long, long way. And his answer was quite simple, time frame. His average holding period for stocks is more than 20 years. And the average American's holding period for stocks is about six months. And his view is, that's the reason he's more successful. That's the number one reason he's better at investing than most Americans. Now, I would imagine Australia is exactly the same. And I'd imagine small business and SMEs are exactly the same as well. We're so caught up in the short-term thinking. You can look at the news cycles. Listed companies do this as well. You know, they're, they're, they're caught up in the news cycle. They've got to announce something this quarter Otherwise, their share price gets hit. When in fact, investors shouldn't care what their share price is this quarter. You should care what it is in 2029, not 2019. It doesn't really matter unless you're some sort of trader. And that's the point that Buffett makes. Why would you be when you could actually hold them for a long time? And that's why equity and employee share plans work so well, because you can start to educate and get people to think long term, you will ultimately get better exit, better results, better valuation than if you're thinking short term. Yeah. I think you're making some really good points there. And in relation to bonus incentive plans, you know, I think can work if they're given the strategic approach, I guess, that you're talking about in the employee share plan area. But I guess the reason why the employee share plan will more often deliver that outcome is because the process itself requires a lot of thought and really thinking through what are those metrics in relation to how does someone get shares? What gives them the right to shares? How is this all going to work? I guess it's part of that because it's more rigorous process, it really then has the side effect of requiring that the business owners devote more time and their attention to thinking it through. So I do think that might be an element as well. Yeah, definitely part of it. So we've talked a lot about where it might fit. Just to make sure we've got a good rounded out view of this area, just really quickly, is there just some alarm bells that might ring for you for certain businesses where you go, you know what, that's actually not a particularly good fit <laughs> for this approach. And I guess, uh, you know, businesses that have lots of highs and lows, maybe one of those, but what's your thoughts on who it may not be right for? Yeah, where it particularly can't work well is where you're in a hurry. So if you've got a, a distressed sale or someone that's seriously ill, for example, an employee share plan just takes too long to work. You just can't do it. It's not going to work quickly. They're a long-term plan. They can be accelerated through debt funding, as I said before, but even then, you're talking years. You're not talking three to six months, which is 
Unfortunately, sometimes some businesses have got to exit in a short time frame. It doesn't work particularly well there. It can't work where you've got the business operating in a discretionary trust because there are no shares. There's no proportionate. You can't sell 20% because it's all discretionary. So you have to restructure them to make that work. The other thing that and I had an example. I went and saw a guy in Western Sydney who said, oh, you know, I want, I want your help. I've got a problem with staff turnover. And I really think an employee share plan might be the solution. I said, yeah, well, look, here's the research and it can work. And halfway through the meeting, he screams out at the top of his voice for someone to get him a bloody coffee. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's um, probably not going to be sold by an employee share plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're clearly just an asshole. There's some <laughs> other things going on there. Yeah, got Correct. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are some situations where from a HR perspective and even things like employment contracts and so on, sometimes we need to go in and clean those up and sort them out before we go down the road of an employee share plan. But generally speaking, you know, we've put them in very small businesses. I've put them in a couple of clients where they're looking to retain one person. Mm. So a lot of people think these are only for large companies. That's not true. Um, we've used them quite effectively in quite small businesses. We've used them across all sorts of different industries. The short summary is anywhere where you've got key people that you want to retain and motivate, an employee share plan can work. And it can also therefore help your exit strategy. I also think the one thing to add in there is business stability. I think it can be quite difficult if employees don't trust the stability of the business because, you know, this is about equity in the business itself. So there has to be this buy-in of the staff into the business as well, which obviously is part of the point to get the buy-in, but it's also about having the right people on board. And maybe in some ways it can help business owners to assess whether or not they have the right people as well, you know. And that is part of our process now. We've actually added that to the process to actually say to people, look, don't go and put an employee share plan and just invite all your employees. Before we do this, let's make sure we've got the right people in the right seats doing the right jobs. And we can start to work out how we use an employee share plan to better motivate them and retain them and do all those sorts of things. Because there's no there's no point putting it in place for the wrong people. Last thing you want to do is work out a smart way to retain people you don't want. <laughs> Absolutely. And I guess that's a good point. It's about the point that you can also be selective. So it doesn't have to be across the board. <laughs> Correct. Well, look, Craig, thank you so much. That's been a really good discussion today. So, look, if our listeners would like to make contact with you, and I hear you may have just written a book in this area as well, so if they want to grab that book, how do they go about making contact with you? Yeah, I've literally just this month published a new book on uh, employee share plans. I'm happy to send it out to people if they want a copy of it to have a look at it. The easiest way is just to flick me an email. It's cwest at successionplus.com.au. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Craig. That's really been extremely informative and I think our listeners will love it. No problem. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Well, that's it for my discussion with Craig West, all about employee share plans. Just as a quick recap in this episode, we obviously talked about employee share plans, which should be obvious unless you've skipped right through to the end here. Um, But we talked in particular about the benefits, alternatives to employee share plans and why maybe employee share plans may in some instances be better than some of those um, alternatives. We also talked about that really interesting area of how employee share plans might actually play a role in exit. And I think it's a really interesting to 
thing for advisors out there to ponder, particularly many of our accountants um, who have businesses that might be heading for exit in the next five to 10 years. So, of course, we talked about implementation and we also talked about whom they may not be right for. Well, I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. I certainly thought it was a very interesting discussion. I think employee share plans are just a really interesting topic for us as advisors to be thinking about. Now, look, if you'd like more information about this topic, then just head over to our website at www.thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to see more information about this episode and link straight through to Craig West if you'd like a copy of one of his books or talk to him in more detail. At that website, you will also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal. If you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of employee share plans or any legal aspects of business sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services that help businesses prepare for sales or acquisitions and also to deal with a transaction once it's in train. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So don't hesitate to book an appointment if you want to find out how we can assist. Well, that's it. If you enjoyed what you heard today, then I would absolutely love it if you could pop over to your favorite podcast player and hit subscribe first if you haven't already. And secondly, leave us a review. Tell us what you liked about this episode, if you did like it, or what you like about the Deal Room podcast as a whole. Thanks again for listening in. You have been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast, proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. Ladies and gentlemen, conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.